Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to this episode of the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with our guest. He is a very determined person who now runs a successful digital marketing agency in Hereford, focused on web design and SEO. Uh, Having grown up largely within the care system in London, at one stage he found himself in Hereford without a support network and was involved in a hit and run accident which left him with a broken hip. He lost his job and found himself homeless. However, he refused to give up and used his self-taught knowledge in IT to start learning about websites, how to monetize them, and what made them successful. He's built his business and his life back up and made a success of things. Here's Omri Shalom of Silverscope Media. How are you doing, Omri? Good, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Not at all. Thank you very much for coming in. I uh, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> cool. So before we get started, uh, your company website is silverscopemedia.com. Yeah, that's correct. So people can uh, go there and uh, check out what you do and everything. Um, cool. So, yeah, you're based in Hereford these days, but um, but you grew up in London, right? Yeah, that's correct. I grew up in London for the first 11 years um, before I eventually went into care. Mm-hmm. And back when I was in care, it was very different to the system today. So you used to get moved around a lot from borough to borough. Right, yeah. Um, I've lived everywhere from London to Newcastle, Manchester. Oh, really? That, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't just like around the sort of London area. It was like no, it, the whole country. The, um, as I said, it, it, was, it was quite different back then. So you used to have, it, it was more based around money, unfortunately, rather than right. rather than um, looking after the child and used to have an introductory period in terms of rates with children's homes. So it was quite common for young kids to be moved every 12 weeks from one residential unit to another so oh, wow. i found, found myself moving around quite a lot okay right pretty intense then <laughs> well, I yeah it wasn't, wasn't um wasn't the best sort of childhood in the sense yeah, of growing yeah. up um wasn't a lot of structure yeah yeah but hereford was the the last place i ended up and actually spent three years here um the last three years of living in care and that's how come I'm in Hereford today. Okay, okay, gotcha. So were you sort of like having to start in a new school every 12 weeks? Yeah, well, as well? when I lived in London, um, moving from one children's home to another, I was still able to go to the same school. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was moved from London to Newcastle, Manchester, etc., that that was um, quite disruptive for schooling. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it was... Quite, quite a few different schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, that's just the way it was back then. And most of my education has actually, because of how disruptive it was, most of my education has been done in my later years in life rather than the first sort of 16. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Because you just, yeah, probably focused on other things other than what you were learning in school at that um, stage. I actually think part of the problem was that the um, what you're taught is the same but it's not taught in the same order okay so what you're taught in sort of year 10 for example if you're in london isn't the same order as what would be taught in newcastle so you end up okay. repeating certain things that you've done um and then obviously missing out on other bits that have been done before you was at that school okay yeah got you so it was kind of chopped up so much yeah. that you didn't really like complete a whole yeah term or a whole year of, of, of education yeah yeah how, how how did you sort of like deal with that time were you sort of did you sort of escape into learning or was, was there um, other thing other ways you it's a difficult one to answer because at that age you don't really understand especially if that's what you're used to mm. you don't understand um what how your life is Obviously, you you know your life's different from other people. You know you've got friends in school who mm. who go home every day and, and you know have a more of a structured life, and, and you're going to a children's home. Um, yeah. But you don't really sort of understand the differences until later on in life. Right. Okay, um, yeah. So, yes, schooling was disruptive. 
Um, but how you deal with it is a difficult one to answer if at the time you don't realize mm. how it's going to affect you later on in life. Yeah, sure. I suppose it's that thing of, um, yeah, what, what you see as a kid is kind of your normal, isn't it? Yeah. Your norm. And, uh, yeah, you, you kind of, you kind of deal with it. Have you, have you looked back since though and realized that there were things that you did that were to deal with it at that time or is it just um do you, do you just look forward or it, i wouldn't say that i i don't look back but i i i think you know you can't change your past and mm. i i wouldn't want to go through it again yeah um yeah and as weird as it sounds i wouldn't change what i went through because right. it's, yeah. it's it's made me who i am mm. you know life experiences make you who you are yeah. And in terms of of dealing with it, I at a very young age, I I, I got into um, computers. Yeah. Um, you know, building computers, overclocking computers, fixing computers, and for me, that was my escape. Because being in a children's home, it being in a children's home was weird in the sense of it's not like being at home in a family. Mm. So, you know people that sort of go on holidays in the summer or, um, you know, have, you know, do certain activities on the weekend. I, I didn't really have that. So my sort of, my thing was sort of learning about PCs um, okay. from, from a very young age. Really? And I've, I've always, from a, from a very early point in life, I've always had a passion for technology, the way it shapes the world we live in. Okay. So, that that was my escape, you know. That's oh, what I yeah, love to yeah. do. Whether it was in school or whether it was in the in the children's home, playing with old PC parts and old computers and fixing them and stuff like right, that. Right. Okay. So that was the thing. What what kind of drew you to computers? Do you reckon computers and tech? I, you know, I'm actually not sure what drew me to it. <laughs> yeah. um, I think ever ever since I used one, the earliest computer I can remember using was a BBC computer. You know, oh, the yeah. big the big floppy <laughs> disks, not the sort of smaller ones that came on later on. And yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why I loved it so much. I just did. I think it was the fact that, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's the fixing of it is the fact that, you know, there's an accomplishment when you do it. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that every PC is different or the technology has changed so quick that when you, you know, when you think you've got good at it, you find yeah. you haven't because there's so much more to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially sort of in, in the teenager years, you know, when there was more accessibility um, for different types of, of PCs and laptops to myself personally. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to say what, what drew me to it, but I just genuinely enjoyed tinkering around with PCs. You know, some yeah. people do it with cars. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm rubbish with cars, can't, can't fix anything on them. But with computers, I just loved them. Um, yeah, yeah. And I said, I think for me, the big thing, it is about the technology, you know, it, it, it's the way it shapes the world we live in, you know, essentially right, yeah. computers do that. Um, yeah. And technology definitely does. Oh, cool. Okay. Okay. So, um, so you found yourself in Hereford then where you were, you were here for three years and, uh, what, what kind of, what sort of age was that? Um, so I came to Hereford from Newcastle when I was 13. Right, okay. Um, spent the last three years um, in care here. And back, back then it was common that, you know, when you got to 16, you were kicked out of care. You know, you'd got to that um, legal age where social services didn't have a responsibility to look after you. Right, okay. It's a bit different now. Um, I actually... Back then when I, when I left care, I actually, um, before I got involved in what I do now, I used to work as a children's rights officer. So it okay. was about looking after young people in, in and leaving care and, and essentially making sure they didn't sort of go through what I went through. Mm. Um, and the laws have changed since then in, in the Children's Act, essentially, which sort of says that social services have a duty now rather than a power. You know, the word power was used a lot back then in the Children's Act. So it was social right. services have a power to put a young person in further education. Right. They didn't have a duty. Right, so okay. you would essentially be arguing if you wanted to go to college or go to university, whereas now they, they have to do that. Um, right, okay. So 
yeah, I spent the last three years here. I essentially was quite annoyed with the way the care system was, you know, being moved around, mm. um, sort of that, right, you're 16, get out sort of approach. Mm. Um, and that's, that's essentially what started the, my, my sort of career back then. Okay. Okay. Tell us about that. So I, I started, um, I started doing freelance work with Dennis PCC and CROA, right. um, which is children's rights officers and advocates. And I, when I was 18, um, just as I turned 18, I got offered a, I'd applied, but I got offered a job in Coventry working for a organization called First Key, which was a not-for-profit organization, which was a bit, essentially it was a bit like Crow in a sense that it was children's rights officers. Um, so you've got social services and then you've got children's rights workers and mm -hmm. Unfortunately, social services are sort of bound by a lot of rules of, you know, this is what you have to do. Um, children's rights officers are more not about the rules, but what's actually best for the young person. Okay. Um, and I, I moved from Hereford to Coventry. Um, I did that job for three years. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, when I was 21, first key, which was a, a national organization. They had offices in um, Leeds, London, and Coventry. And, and obviously I was based in Coventry. Um, went bust. You know, they couldn't They couldn't essentially afford to survive. Right, okay. Um, but from 16 to 21, from freelance to actually having a job, that that was, you know, everything I did, that was my, my focus was to try and make a change and make sure that young people essentially didn't go through what I went through. And I think one of the biggest achievements back then was I was part of a group which got that one word change that I mentioned to you, which was mm. um, power to duty in the Children's Act, um, which actually came into force a few years after I left care, just as first key had sort of gone bust. Um, right, okay. And that's fantastic for young people today because yeah. it means that they, you know, they don't go through. I'm not saying it's fantastic to be in care. It's, no, you know, no, it's not. But at least now if you're going through the system certain things are different so you don't get moved from borough to borough yeah you can you know if you say you want to go and do a degree it, you know you have to be supported financially and you know with accommodation that kind of stuff um so yeah it was a good good experience it's good just amazing point. isn't it that one word can make yeah. such, a, I mean, such a difference you know when it was social services have a power I'm not saying all social services, but it obviously depended what borough yeah, yeah, you came course, from. Sure so I grew up in Islington in London, yeah. um, and that was that was always my borough, regardless of where I lived. So it was always Islington social services that essentially were that sort of um, looked after me or, or decided where I went and made decisions okay. about what was going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying all boroughs would have been like that. There'd obviously yeah, be sure. other boroughs where. You know, if you said I want to go to college, they'd say, right, okay. But now it's a case of all of them have to abide by mm, mm. by that rule in the children's app. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a small, a small, seemingly small change to one word to like just to change it from, from power to duty. Yeah, that one so word amazing. makes a, a massive difference. Yeah. Now, um, in people, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when you were kind of, when you got to 16 and they like essentially their time, you know, the, the, the time that they have to look after you came to an end. I mean, what did that look like? Did you kind of go and get a job or, I mean, cause presumably um, you then had to find somewhere to live and yeah, earn some it, money. And it, it was, it was a scary experience in my life because there was, there was nothing to fall back onto. You know, they were, uh, essentially I'd grown up in care and that was it. I was out of care. Mm. Um, so, yes, I had to go and get a job and I got a bed sit and, you know, I had to look after myself. But it, it was it was scary just because I knew if something went wrong that it wasn't like, I, you know, it's okay, you can fall back on this or you can go yeah, to that person. Yeah. Um, and essentially for a couple of years, I, I just did random jobs. Um, oh, yeah. you know, worked in factories in Hereford and 
um, n- nothing that was meaningful to myself, mm. um, but it, it meant I was surviving. Mm-hmm. And I was still doing freelance work. Um, and then, as I said, when I, when I got to just before my 18th birthday, I'd applied for this job mm. and was fortunate enough to get it. And that sort of became the start of a, a short-lived career because I obviously didn't know a few years later they were going to go bust, but it yeah. became a start of something more stable yeah. rather than just sort of, you know, doing shifts at a factory, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then um, once when they went bust then, a few years later, is that when you came back to Hereford? Yeah, that, that was another scary experience because yeah. I, I found myself living somewhere where even though I'd lived in Coventry for the same amount of time as Hereford, mm. the difference was it, it didn't feel like home. Um, right. Hereford did, which is ultimately why I came back. But yeah, when essentially I'd gone into work one day, we'd, we'd had an email saying the company was unfortunately closing down because they didn't have funds to continue. Yeah. Um, and everyone was made redundant. And very quickly, I I decided that I was going to come back to Hereford because I didn't really know where to move. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I'd, I'd lived all over the country. I enjoyed living in London when I was there, even though I was very young, you know, didn't have sort of responsibilities or anything. But London, London was essentially home. Yeah. But moving back to London wasn't really going to be um, viable because it's just so expensive to live there. Mm-hmm. And Hereford was the only other place that, that felt like home. So I decided I was going to come back to Hereford and that, that's what I did. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so you came back and then to look for some work, presumably. Yeah, I, I came back. I um, very quickly got a job at a factory again. Yeah. Um, Dan Rotherus and unfortunately after a few months I was coming can't actually remember if I was going to work or from work but I was um, on a motorbike mm. uh, I had a 125 at a time cheaper than a car yeah. um, and I was going either to or from work and had got knocked off my motorbike a car had hit me whilst overtaking I came off the bike, broke my hip, and very quickly found myself losing my job because I hadn't been there long enough to have rights. Right, so it was okay. a case of, well, you can't come into work. We don't need you. Um, and also lost my accommodation because I no longer had an income. Right, okay. So, yeah, there's there's been a few occasions in my life where it's sort of been that scary moment of what am I going to do? Okay. You know, and that was definitely definitely one of them um and very quickly because of the set of circumstances of breaking my hip losing my job not being able to afford to to continue paying rent found myself homeless Um, and that that was definitely without a shadow of a doubt the the scariest part of my life was from you know as, as as much as I did not enjoy being in care mm. compared to actually not having anywhere, not having a roof over your head. And having um, a broken hip at the same time. And, and having a broken hip. Yeah. Um, oh. That, that was, yeah, that was bad. Um, so, I mean, essentially it couldn't really get much worse from there, could it? Because I was already. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's I'd, feels I'd, like. I'd pretty much lost everything that I, I mean, I didn't have a lot to lose, but I'd, I'd lost it. Um, and I, I knew someone, um, from years previously when I'd lived in Hereford, um, who I didn't, who I hadn't actually been in contact with during the time I'd lived in Coventry, um, who I'd bumped into and they were kind enough to, um, offer me a, essentially to sleep on their, their couch. So... I'd had this sort of short period of being homeless and thankfully had bumped into someone that I'd known from right. before, which essentially changed that, you know. Can I, can I ask you, like, because, you know, I, I'm very fortunate in that I've never never been homeless, but 
I've often wondered, like, what's it like on that sort of first day or night when you sort of come out and think, I've got nowhere to live, I have to go and, you know, I I don't know even where you go or what, I'm sure it's, like, horrendous, and I I don't want to make you dwell on it or anything, but it's it's something that I've always wondered, like, what must that feel like? um, It's hard to put into words other than it is genuinely the most the most scary thing right, yeah. you know because you you can't see or at least for me personally i couldn't see a way back from it you mm-hmm. know when i was working when i came back to hereford um and i was working in a factory essentially i had enough money to pay my bills and mm-hmm. buy food and maybe have a tiny bit left over to get a takeaway you mm-hmm. know um but that was it it was like this circle of you get paid enough to survive until your next paycheck and then and then that's it yeah and if you haven't been able to build anything for yourself and then you lose that it's like how do you get back to that you know Mm -hmm. you now need to have enough money to get a deposit Mm -hmm. which means you need a job Mm -hmm. and it's difficult to sort of do what you know it's a catch-22 situation yeah um so yeah, I I don't think there's any other words I can use other than just a, a very scary, you know, sort of a time in my life. Mm, mm, okay. Um, as you know, as I said I was I was fortunate enough that eventually I'd I'd managed to get um, be able to sleep on someone's couch, mm. um, which was fantastic. And like I said to you, I was. I've always been into computers um, yeah. and this person uh, wasn't when I first sort of um, was sleeping on their couch. I can't actually remember how long it was, whether it was a month or a couple of months, but essentially it asked me to build them a PC. Okay. Um, and I'd built PCs before and I'd overclocked them and fixed them. And, you know, so I've always loved doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that was the, the turning point for me in my life because I'd, built them a pc um and in their bedroom they they had this door which was like a little cupboard it's a bit like the size of a downstairs toilet so when you're sat in it you know you can touch both walls when you put your arms out the front door the back door um but i built them this pc and it was in it was in this little room off their bedroom and when they would go to work i would essentially use their pc um Now, as someone who had sort of grown up with computers and and sort of loved all all that side of it and had been good at it, I essentially that that's how Silverscape Media was formed. In a sense that I knew I had this skill set, I just didn't know how to make money out of it. Okay. Um, and bear in mind, I'm I'm still recovering from a broken hip at this point, <laughs> so I can't really go out and you know find find a normal job. Yeah. Um, so when they used to get up and go to work, I used to sit on this PC and it, it was weird. I remember at the time it was like, how do I, how do I make money online? Um, or how do I make money from this, this computer? You know, you've got these skills, you're very good at it, but there's a difference between fixing them and, and making money through the internet. Okay. Yeah. What sort of year was this? Uh, this would have been back in two around 2007 okay um when when this started um silverscope media was eventually formed in in sort of late 2008 okay um but yeah i used to sort of sit on this computer and day in day out sort of think what am i gonna you know what am i gonna do like how how do you make money online and i actually used to google it you know, like how do you make money online? Yeah. The problem is that's a bit of a minefield yeah. because it just brings up like so many different things. Um, and I actually started with being an affiliate. Okay. So, I mean, to this day you can be an affiliate, but there, I think there was a lot more affiliate schemes back then. Um, mm. Now it's sort of big, well-known places. Um, but I mean, one one big place I used to do it for was William Hill. So William Hill used to sort of have this thing of if you can get people to our website through through a link that we give you, 
and yeah. they deposit and wager ten pounds, we'll give you fifty because the cost per acquisition for them, um, uh. you know, was was higher than the money being spent because they've got this lifetime value. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, this is going to be easy because they're going to pay me fifty pounds <laughs> for everyone that someone spends ten. <laughs> In reality, it it's it's very difficult to actually get people to click on a link. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a bit like tour operators, you know, that pay you 5% if you can get someone to book a holiday through a link they give you. Yeah. But why is someone going to click your link? Yeah, they probably okay. already know about that tour operator. You know, they'll Google it and they're not going to do it through a link that you've placed somewhere. But that's essentially how it started for me. It was, it was doing these little affiliate schemes. Um, and when I was doing it, that's when very quickly it became apparent to me that what I needed to learn about was SEO. Um, okay. It was it was essentially, I didn't know what SEO was back then, but I needed to learn how to get traffic to a site or how to mm-hmm. get traffic to, you know, if, if you're doing marketing campaigns, um, you know, how do you, how do you get those users to where you want them to be? Mm-hmm. And I, I'd, I'd started doing these affiliate schemes. Um, and, it, you know, I made... I made a bit of money, but I certainly didn't make enough to live. Um, yeah, yeah. It would have been easier if, well, I made more when I had the factory job than, you know, when I was Where doing that. Where did you put the links then to try and get people? Um, so I used to, I used, I, 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 at the time I couldn't do any coding. Yeah. Um, I said I was good with PCs, but when it came to anything on the web, I knew absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, but I'd come across sort of webmaster forums um and i'd seen you know sort of templates and um you know people offering different services and i found this template and sort of started i mean back then it was all html mm-hmm. you know now sites are sort of built on php and, and other technologies uh, of other coding languages but back then sites were predominantly html yeah so it was easy to sort of find templates that you would then go and edit mm-hmm. and i'd sort of google how do you do this how do you do that and it took time but you know i sort of learned how to how to sort of do it so i used to have these basic websites where i would then place these sort of advertising links or affiliate links yeah um but i said that was the problem it was it was easy enough to do that (laughs) it just wasn't easy to actually get people to the site yeah yeah um and it, it was a it was a long road because it took it probably took a good six months before I made any money. Um, By this point, my hips actually sort of just got back to being okay. Um, But six months later, it was a bit like having a part-time job in terms of income. You know, I didn't want to give it up, but it certainly, if I didn't figure a way of making it better, it certainly wasn't going to be sustainable long-term. Yeah. And... For me, learning about SEO and actually what drives a website up in the rankings, mm. um, you know, what gets more traffic to a site was the, the passion. See, I, I never really had the passion for coding. Mm-hmm. For, you know, when I was Googling how to make, you know, how do I make this website or how do I make, how do I put a website live on the internet? Yeah. You know, I'd, I had no passion for that. But when I started learning about SEO, I had a very similar passion to what I'd had when I first discovered computers. Okay. And I think the reason for that was because it constantly changes. Right. You know, it's never the same. Technologies change. Um, And just the the way it works, you know, the algorithms that search engines put out that determines where sites going to rank was constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. So there was a a sort of first to learn, you know, to to sort of uh, build that knowledge. Yeah. And... Eventually, I started getting good at it in a sense of being able to actually get traffic to a website. Um, And I I can't remember how long I'd been doing this for, but it it must have been at least a year. Um, When I'd gone on the Webmaster Forum, again, I don't really have the passion for coding at this time. Um, And a bit like eBay, but there's big Webmaster Forums and sites which are predominantly for selling websites mm-hmm. um and i bought my first website for 500 dollars right. that this um guy had built and it was for unlocking symbian phones 
Okay. Um, so back then, Nokia had the biggest market share for the operating system before yeah. Android and iOS. Um, and if you wanted to be able to sort of have the full potential of your phone to put on whatever you wanted in terms yeah. of apps rather than from the App Store, you had to have an unlocked phone. Right, okay. So I'd, I'd bought this site for $500, which was brand new in a sense of it had been coded. It worked, but it had zero traffic. Right. And I'd start, obviously, through the affiliate marketing, I'd started to learn how to drive traffic to a website. Mm-hmm. And I spent the next two years building up this mobile phone unlocking site. Okay. Um, <laughs> and that, because what I say, this was all the turning point for me because having that time with the broken hip and not being yeah. able to really go out and do anything meant I could sit on a PC all day. I was going to say, to, like if, you know, if you hadn't have broken your hip, you probably would have gone and got another job in a factory. Yeah, I probably would have just gone and, and got a different job, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, the, the set of circumstances meant that I didn't really have anything other than time. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. thankfully, because of someone else, I had access to a computer. How long were you living with those people for then? Was I that- actually ended up, um, so first it was a case of, you know, you can stay here um, till you get yourself back on your feet. Um, and when I started making money through these websites, I actually ended up paying. Um, you know, actually, they'd moved um, from the house they'd had, which was this one bed, um, house um to a two bed right and i ended up paying rent and ended up living with them for four years um (laughs) and to this day they're they're a good friend and i was gonna say about that yeah it was because of them that um the situation sort of changed yeah yeah Yeah. okay okay so um so you built this site up then You, you over the next two years yeah, it was it was very successful. Um, in in a two year period, I got it up to just under four hundred and fifty thousand registered members. Wow. Um, most of that was in the the last of the two years, um, and you got you know you got to remember every day all I'm doing is reading and learning. So all I'm doing <laughs> is reading about you know SEO, um, different sort of practices, build yeah. traffic, yeah. Um, and and digital marketing. And yeah, it was it was fantastic until Symbian or Nokia, I should say, sorry, announced that they weren't making mobile phones anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> Symbian, unfortunately, was no longer the major operating system. Um, Android and iOS had started coming up quite quickly behind them right. and overtaking them. Yeah. So very quickly, there wasn't a market for that anymore. Uh. Um, and I, I sort of found myself back at this point of, of thinking, oh no, what am I going to do? But by this point, I'd, I'd built up a certain amount of skill set that I was able to apply it to something else. Yeah. So I'd started looking online for, you know, I sort of had this thought of, well, I can now, I can now get websites to get traffic, but what do I do for the next one? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd found this content publisher in the States, which was quite well known at the time. And essentially they were, the platform offered to pay people who could drive traffic to, so you, you could have your own website essentially, but you would host open source softwares. Okay. Um, so rather than licensed software, it was software that was readily available, download mm-hmm. for free. Right. But you would get paid per download because they had bundled it with these sort of toolbars that you used to get in the in, in browsers back then. Okay. I don't know if you'd remember, but back then, you know, in, in Chrome and and Firefox and stuff, you could have sort of these toolbars with little advertising links. Okay, and essentially right. the advertisers used to pay the content publisher based on the amount of impressions they would get through mm-hmm. these toolbars. Right, and okay. the content publisher used to bundle the toolbar with open source software and then pay people like myself to drive traffic to it right. um so yeah i built I, I sort of had this dip where for six months i had no money again because i'd i'd paid to have this site built i yeah. then did all the seo myself 
but as I was aware of, even back then, a, a brand new domain wasn't going to rank overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, it was going to take time to build it up, and it meant for six months that I had no traffic. Right. Um, but I continued at it, and I actually did that for the next five years um, <laughs> with this content publisher across all their open source softwares, and had built some very, not built, sorry, because I didn't actually build the sites, but had, had applied all the marketing techniques, all the SEO, and had, um, yeah, had driven traffic to a very successful state over sort of four or five years across these sites. And mm-hmm. that, back then, that was Silverscope Media. It was monetizing right. sites for myself. Okay. You know, yeah, so yeah. the content publisher offered a variety of softwares to do it with, and I literally took the chance to do it with all of them. Yeah, okay. And that's why I did every day, all day. Um, okay. So okay. the business was a bit different to the way it is today because back then it was just for me, you know. Yeah, it was sure, sure. Build a site for yourself or pay someone else to do it um, and you monetize it yourself. And it was over those four or five years where that I actually started getting into web design and development because right. I'd, I'd built up this skill set in SEO I yeah. kept having to pay someone else to <laughs> to do the design yeah. um, and to actually build the site. And there's so many there's so many practices in SEO that that is is done during development that I essentially needed to start getting into that that area myself. Right. Um, and I did. I continued doing that until 2016. Um, and unfortunately, in 2016, the content publisher had sort of closed down. It, it was very, it was very big up until that point of you know toolbars in browsers and and sort of advertisers paying for links. Um, mm-hmm. There was even a point where Google used to pay you to get people to download download the Chrome browser. Right, really. <laughs> um, but you know that that's not the way it is anymore. No, so. No. Again, I found a, another turning point yes. um, because by this point I'd had the skills, but what I couldn't keep affording to do was to have these gaps every time something stopped. Yeah, you know, right. of building another site and then having that sort of gap where you've got no traffic because yeah. there was no consistency in the income. Um, yeah, yeah. So in in 2016, I, I sort of found myself thinking. By this point, the, um, I should have said the business had actually been so successful with what I was doing that I'd managed to get my own house, as in my own mortgage house, oh, right. well, which for me was a massive, you know, yeah. ha- having been homeless yeah, um, yeah. for mean, a short period of time. And then quite a short space of time as well. I mean, you're talking um, like, what, six? Five, six five years. Five, six years, yeah. I yeah. Mean, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not paid for. But... No, I know that, but I mean, it's, well, I mean, but, you it's, know, it's, it's not that long, though, is it? Like five, six no, years taken from, like, um, you know, being knocked off your motorbike and yeah. being homeless to putting a deposit down on a house through your own, like, hard work and working stuff out and, and yeah, I mean, grit, the, I suppose. The learning the learning part of it was, was longer than the implementation part of it, you know, yeah. actually learning how to do it. Yeah. was was a bigger part of of those six years yeah um and don't get me wrong you know you're constantly learning it's an evolving field so yeah, you, you, you never yeah. stop um but having that initial amount of sort of um knowledge and skill set required to actually be able to do it successfully probably took longer than the implementation of of getting the traffic and generating the revenue but yeah i was i was very fortunate that I was able to get to the point of, you know, building up a deposit, paying for a mortgage, um, you know, get getting my own place, having sure. my own security. Um, but when when that industry sort of died, something that had been going for, for years before I'd started, um, I had responsibilities at this point in life, mm. you know, as in I actually had a mortgage. I wasn't prepared to take to sort of take another six months of thinking what's the next site to do. Yeah. Because um, right. I had bills to pay. So I found myself for the first time in, in years looking for a job, um, right. looking for a job again. And Just to get that consistent income. Yeah, just to get the consistent yeah. 
consistent income. And I think my thinking back then was that I would, you know, I'd have this job for the regular income, but I'd still go home and I'd still build sites and monetize them. Okay, um, yeah, gotcha. Just wasn't really sure what the next site was going to be because when I used to promote open source softwares, it was essentially giving something away for free, but you earn revenue, which I think is not a model that could have been repeated again. And it was the same with the mobile phone unlocking site. It was a free service, but the amount we used to get in donations was, I mean, essentially it'd be more than what my salary would have been when I was, when I was working previous to that. Yeah. Um, So I knew I didn't want to just have any website, you know, I didn't want to, set up a shop for example and start selling products or, mm. or that, that kind of thing you know i wanted to try and do something that was giving the consumer something for free but essentially getting paid by a third party mm-hmm. um and i knew that was going to be difficult once this industry had sort of died this paper install industry mm. so i i'd started essentially applying for every single job going right, yeah. um and I was fortunate enough to get an interview with somewhere very quickly. Um, And I'd gone in for this interview for um, a sales executive. And the first question I got asked in the interview was, why do you, you know, why, why do you want to do this job? Yeah. And I remember having conversations with friends after the interview (laughs) because my response was, you know, I've got bills to pay. It, you know, I wasn't going to sit there and say, this is, this is where my passion is. This is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm too open for my own good in, in that respect. Yeah. Um, but the short story is I ended up having three interviews with this same company. Right. You know, I had the first interview. I got told that they wanted to see me again at a later date, which was yeah. around a week later. And then I had a third interview. And based off what I had done previously, I got offered a, a position that was different to the position that I'd applied for. Right. Um, so a position was made for me to, to be the marketing executive. Um, and six months later, I was promoted and I was the IT and digital marketing manager. Right. <laughs> um, I think the IT side just came from the background in IT, yeah, you know, the fixing sure. computers yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, even though there was an IT support company, I couldn't help but sort of always getting involved and, yeah. you know, fixing stuff. Um, and yeah, essentially I, I worked for, for this business for the next two years and I, I had a good job mm-hmm. the first time in my life. Um, yeah. As in, you know, a, when I say good job, the, the job when I was doing care work was good, but this was different in a sense of it was in a big company. It was a decent position. It was decent mm. pay. I worked with good, you know, good people. Um, like everything just ticked all the right boxes. Right, yeah, yeah. But I'd lost, I'd lost that sort of working for myself. Right. And that's okay. what you I'd always, <laughs> you know, I'd, that's what I'd done before. And there's, there's that sense of achievement when you do something, you know, yeah. when it's your business. Um, it's not that I didn't enjoy doing the job, but it wasn't for me. I was doing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go back and, and do, do it for myself. Yeah. And it was a very difficult decision because after two years, essentially, this plan of I'll go home and I'll, I'll after work and I'll sort of build other websites never happened. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd go home and think I've been working for 10 hours. I don't really, don't really want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd got to this point where I was either going to close Silverscope Media down, um, which had been dormant for the last couple of years, or I was going to leave the position I'd had, which um, which was a good position, and I was going to change what the business, what my business did. Yeah, and it was risky because there was no security with doing that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but ultimately, I I took the decision that I was going to take the risk. I was going to leave, yeah. and slightly altered what Silverscope Media did. So okay. rather than monetizing websites for myself or building websites for myself, I would 
do it business to business. Okay. So I would go out there and I would help other businesses increase their traffic and their conversions and develop websites for them. And do um, do you think at that point when you took that decision then to jump out of the the full time secure job and everything, is there an element of like, you know, you've been to that point of being without a home and and a job and everything it can't get any worse is there an element of kind of well it can't get any worse and and i know i can deal with that kind of thing if i absolutely Um, have to does that help at all or no i think if anything that probably made made the decision harder right because to this day everything i do or um you know the work ethic and the the amount i work it's it's I always have that fear of being back in that position. Okay. Um right. so I drive to, you know, I always think this is what's gonna happen if you don't do the very best you can do. Right. You okay. Know? Now I'm not saying it would now. Yeah, um yeah. because the support network's different to back then, but the fear doesn't sort of go away. Mm-hmm. So for me, having the house is the security blanket that you, you know you can't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. And that that was the risk with leaving this job that was a secure, decent, well-paid job mm, to go mm. and essentially run my own business again. But you still, Especially you still with, went for it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think, as I said, I think it's that drive of, of doing stuff for yourself. Um, yeah. You know, the thing I, I used to love the most when I first started doing, um, monetizing my own websites is you never knew what was, what, tomorrow was going to bring mm-hmm. you know um so take when i had the mobile phone unlocking site or when i was promoting open source softwares you you let's say nine after nine months you've gone from zero downloads per day to five thousand downloads per day yeah you don't know if the next day is going to be three thousand <laughs> downloads because you've dropped two positions in google or ten thousand yeah. because you've gone up one right okay. and i think there's there's a big sort of sense of excitement with that yeah, um, yeah. because it means that essentially you don't know what revenue you're going to generate. You don't know um, whether you're going to be successful or, or tomorrow or, you know, whether you're going to sort of say, oh, no, this is, you know, this has changed. Um, but that but that excitement that, that you say, I, I understand it, you know, the excitement of not knowing where it's going to be and everything. That for some people that's not exciting. That's just a, a fear that they don't want to, don't want to face or have in their as, lives. <laughs> as as much as you know, to this day, I'm grateful for the for the position that was great for me. Um, you know, when, when I worked in this company and I was, I was the IT and digital marketing manager, for me, the knowing that Monday to Friday it's going to be seven till five, and this is what you're going to get paid at the end of the month. I I find that too much of a routine mm-hmm. that doesn't change yeah yeah so yeah. I, I need to know <laughs> that i don't know what's going to happen tomorrow um and i don't mean that in a sense of i don't know what work i'm doing i just mean i, I need to know that this, this isn't it now the variety the, yeah yeah um yeah. because otherwise it 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 sort of feels that i'm sort of just doing this circle all the time yeah you know? yeah um and some people like that stability and you'd think with the fact that i'd been homeless i would enjoy that and i, I sort of did to start off with um yeah. you know and i i took pleasure from knowing that i was getting a guaranteed amount at the end of the month and and stuff but eventually that that thing of wanting to do it for myself and you know there is this sort of sense of excitement when you've when you've got a website and you're trying to build it and you're mm. trying to take it from where it is today to a different level tomorrow. Yeah. For me, I genuinely get a pleasure yeah. when that increases and I'm mm. quite annoyed when it drops. So when I was in this company, you know, I I love doing IT. Um, I love the people I worked with and there was a sense of achievement as I built their websites up. But in the back of my mind, Every time I was building their website up, I wasn't, I was, I was doing it within the role rather than 
you know, it's it, the excitement I get for doing that now for other businesses, it's different because I'm doing it for different clients. And when I was sort of in that position, it was great, but I'm just generating you more revenue. Right, I'm not, okay. yeah, you know, yeah. this is what I mean about the, you don't, you know, at the end of the month, you're getting paid that same amount. You, you can't sort of build. Um, it sort of seems to link back to what drew you into computers in the first time, which was the ever-changing yeah. part of it. Because for a lot of people, that they don't like that part either, and they like want to master something and then be good at that thing. But you obviously had this innate like want to do things that that kept changing, so you could keep learning more about it. And that for me, that kind of sounds quite similar to what you're saying about you know, you like the fact that the job's going to be different every day and there's going to be, you know, a new challenge and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, with with computers or with technology as a whole um, or with SEO, I, I definitely um, sort of have this excitement how it evolves mm. and, and how it changes. I think if it was the same, it, it, I probably wouldn't have that excitement or willingness yeah, to yeah. continue to learn. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's 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 something that drives me to to always think, you know, how what's the next level for this? You know, yeah. how is this going yeah. to evolve? Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So where where are you at now then? So you you took that decision to jump yeah. out of the job and 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 start working business to business. Where 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 have you got to now with it? Or? Yeah, I um so I I left the company. Um, so this was what, like five years ago? Did you no, say? no. This so the position I had um, was from 2016 to 2018. Oh, okay, so um, three years ago. So yeah, I'd been there for for two years. Um, decided I was going to take this big risk, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and leave, and I mean, I think it's a testament for the 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 work that I do because the first client I had was the business that I left. Oh, really? <laughs> and to this day, I've, they're still a client. Um, wow, that's, you know, uh... we've, we've done SEO for them ever, ever since one being in the company, as in I personally have done SEO for them since being in the company. And then yeah. we as a company, since I've left, to okay. this day have continued. Um, right, and okay. through word of mouth, um, you know, SEO is one of those things it's it's very difficult to advertise for mm. because if you Google SEO services, for example, you'll see all these Google ads pop up where they'll say things like guaranteed page one results for £99. Yeah, because they're five not, emails a day. From yeah. <laughs> um, because the problem with SEO is is you've, you've essentially got what's referred to as white hat and, and black hat SEO. And, yeah. you know, white hat is that manual work that you're doing that's legitimate techniques yeah. and practices and black hat is essentially stuff that's not really liked or favored by search engines so you're mm. trying to trick the search engines yeah, yeah um more often than not black hat seo will just be building a load of spammy links so you'll you'll get these sort of websites where they have these google ads saying guaranteed page one for 99 pounds mm. aside from the fact that you can't guarantee because you you can't control the search engine you can only um sort of follow best practices and, mm. and build the results that way you, you, you these sites that are sort of doing that are going off the fact that they just want that 199 pounds whereas mm-hmm. what what i want through the business is to actually build relationships and and have long-term clients um so advertising becomes very tricky online for that service mm-hmm. So everything's always always been about word of mouth for me, um, and I'm I'm not gonna lie and say it's it's been um, the easiest thing to build up because when you start and you you know essentially you've got one client, um, yeah. you've sort of you've <laughs> taken a step backwards. You know you've left yeah, this job, yeah. you've you've lost income, you've now got one client, um, but slow and steady through word of mouth through the work that we do we've got referrals we've you know we've built up customer base yeah yeah, um, yeah. and everything that we offer through silverscope media unlike a lot of see when i when i was leaving this position and i thought right we're going to do this business to business i started looking at what other digital agencies did and mm-hmm. i think that was the mistake because what we saw was 
you know, they do graphic design, they do social media marketing, they do pay-per-click. They're doing all these services that you would normally associate with digital marketing. But my skill set was specifically SEO, which is quite specialized. Yeah. And web, as in web design and development. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the mistake when I first left was thinking, well, I'm going to have to do all this. And even though it's stuff I can do and stuff I've done before, I didn't want to take away from what I actually specialized in. Right. Okay. So for the first year, you know, the, the website was like, we, we offer everything that everyone else offers. Okay. And we didn't stand out from anyone else. Okay. You know, we were exactly the same. Um, and we, we got business. Um, but after, after a year, I sort of had this moment of thinking, you know, you actually need to focus on what you specialize in. So when, when someone refers you, they know this is why, yeah, not yeah. just because this is an agency we use. Yeah. Um, so the, so the website was restructured and, and the services we offer were restructured and a lot of the stuff went and now it's, it's just the things that we actually specialize in. You know, it's mm-hmm. just SEO and web. And obviously mm-hmm. there's a range of services around them, them too. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, anything from design and development on, on the website to sort of manage services and, and consultancy and training. Um, yeah yeah uh, i mean um yeah i've i've banged on about this quite a lot to other people but like yeah the idea of niching and specializing is just it just sort of supercharges everything that you do doesn't it you yeah know, like I've, I've done it with my own stuff to focus on the industrial work and it's like well people know what you do yeah. and um and, and it's so much easier to refer someone that's serves a particular area or does a particular thing yeah, it, it it is one of those sort of, um, like I completely agree with you, it can be difficult at the start because it's like you're offering less mm. and we actually had work for some of those things that we were getting rid of. Yeah. Um, but it does take away from what you actually specialise in. Yeah. So I've, I, I think I have this issue with not being able to say no to people. So when we, <laughs> because everything is through word of mouth and someone will say, oh, well, silver scoop, did our pay-per-click campaign we'll end up doing the pay-per-click campaign because we can do it um, and we can achieve results but we won't advertise it because we don't want you know we don't want to be that agency that does everything yeah um but yeah i I definitely agree you know by by sort of filtering out the things that are more generalized and actually just keeping the ones that you're trying to become known for certainly has benefits in the long term versus the short term yeah 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 it's uh it's quite powerful cool well um well we've been uh chatting for 57 minutes now would you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's how long the record has been on for so um no i mean uh, uh yeah i'm I, I don't quite know what the right words are but i just feel like i feel a bit like i need to try a bit harder i think <laughs> when i speak to you because it's just like i'm just you know amazed hearing your story and like coming from you know having the things that you've been through and stuff to get to where you are it's just like you know it's um it's weird because i've often had that growing up where people sort of said wow you know this the story and can't believe you know i mean there's so much more to tell but yeah i'll be here for days (laughs) um but you know i always sort of say there's there's always someone worse off than you um, you know, going back to my care days, it was it was common when I was leaving care that people were going into young offenders units, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it, it's weird because some people will will use life's, um, what they've been through as sort of excuses for mm-hmm. why they are the way they are, why they do what they do. Mm. And I just sit there and think, you know, it, there's always someone that's got it worse. Yeah, so you, yeah. you can't really complain about it. Um, you know, mm. it's like I said, where I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to relive it, but I also genuinely wouldn't change it because it does mm. make you who you are. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I just think that's that's just the way life is. You know, some people have it easy, some people have it hard. There's there's certainly people out there that would have had it a lot harder than me. Yeah, um, and everyone struggles with something. Yeah, they, I everyone. Suppose. That's the thing you hear, like you know, people that have you know 
had things handed down to them are kind of like struggled because they've had things handed down and they, they haven't had that drive or that reason to yeah it's like people say you know you, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors so even someone that seems like they've got everything could have a lot of personal demons yeah. um and i just i just think that's life you know you you, you have to battle on you have to constantly try mm. um to do your best and to succeed yeah 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 absolutely well um thank you very much for uh coming in and and, and sharing all that um just before you you go again your website silverscopemedia.com yeah uh you're on the linkedins as omri shalom yeah and you've got company company linkedin as well that people can find yeah. you silverscope media so um yeah people i'll, I'll put all those links in the show notes and um yeah no thank you thank you very much and um, no thank you it's it's been an honor to be asked and yeah, it's been a pleasure to be here no, it was great take care thank you You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.